0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to Philly's Backstage. I'm Tom Burgoyne. I'm joined by John Brazier, director of Fun and Games. And we're coming, John. It's is great. We're at uh, PJ Wilhans, and we're outside uh, on their patio. Got a nice crowd. We're and in uh, Bluebell. That's yeah, cool. in Bluebell. Yeah, you know, there are a few of PJs around. But uh, the one in Bluebell is awesome. It's not far from where we live. This is very convenient for us. Last time we were here, John, it was a there was a blizzard happening. Oh. And, uh, and
1: and it was us and the staff. But yeah, now we have yeah. a Bar Philippines. Yeah,
0: it's awesome. And we got a great guest. Why don't you tell everybody who we got, John?
1: Well, uh, one of my favorites, and uh, I know it's one of your favorites as well, outfielder Aaron Rowan. How you doing, Aaron?
2: Good, guys. How you guys doing?
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. I know you're calling in from Vegas. How's Vegas now, Aaron? Is it uh, kind of opening up? or are the, are the casinos open? Can you place a bet? What's, what's going on out there?
2: Yeah, they still have glass partitions and stuff, but everything's pretty much open. Now, I know you
1: have a motorcycle, so do you take that motorcycle down to the strip uh, at this time? Is it a little more empty, I guess, because of that?
2: Yeah, it's it's a little more empty because of the whole COVID situation. But, uh, yeah, I'll take it down and cruise the strip here and there
0: nice very nice well uh you know we've john and i've been do, we've been doing this podcast for this three years now john three years it's crazy but uh they gave us a, a podcast aaron amazingly enough but uh it's been fun because we get a chance to you know kind of talk to players broadcasters writers guys who maybe we haven't seen in a while so uh and I, our fans haven't heard from in a while so uh I uh, would love to just talk a little bit about your career, you know. Um, I know you, you you were born in Oregon, you grew up in California, and, and this is what I love. He, John, uh, I guess uh, Aaron hit 650 in high school. Are you shocked by that? <laughs> no, I'm not shocked, but I, I didn't hit. Did you hit 650 in high school?
1: I, I played lacrosse. I didn't play baseball. But,
0: but Aaron, this is my question, because <laughs> this is my question. The... Uh, this is where I think we're very much alike. The Mets drafted Aaron John out of high school, uh, and Aaron said no. You got to love it. If I was ever drafted by the Mets, I would have said no, too.
2: But really? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I doubt that. What, what, what were you thinking, Aaron, when, uh, you know, MLB team comes calling and uh, you turned them down?
2: Well, I had already signed a, a uh, letter of intent to – you know, Uh go to Cal State Fullerton and play in college, so, you know, if it, if it was right, and the money was right, you know, there was a possibility that I could have gone, but both my parents wanted me to go to school, and I wanted to go to school anyway and, and go play for, for a great program, and it turned out to be the best decision, so, you know, everything worked out for
0: the best. And it wasn't because you knew you'd be playing for the Phillies one day and there was no way you were going to put a Mets jersey on?
2: Well, I'll be honest. I wasn't a huge Mets fan <laughs> then either. So, I mean. That's a good answer, Aaron. Yeah.
0: It's like going to play for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, for us growing up in Philly, uh, Aaron, you know, you didn't want to play for the Mets or, or the Cowboys. So, uh, But we respect you for turning them down anyway.
2: Absolutely.
0: And and Cal was uh, reading up on you, uh, Aaron. I guess were you a a shortstop? um, You know, uh, for most of your high school, uh, an infielder playing high school, and then into college, and then you and then you uh, converted to outfield.
2: Yeah, uh, about halfway through my freshman year in college, I uh, moved from third base to right field, and um, I mean I was a shortstop in high school. I got uh, drafted as a shortstop. Uh, when I got to college, I mean I wasn't gonna be a shortstop. Um, so they moved me to third base, but we had a guy that was a senior that was on the world championship team the the national championship team the, the year before and so they wanted me to they wanted me in the lineup so they converted me to an outfielder and the rest of history.
1: And and it seems like when you look at all the pros, even if they're pitchers, that Almost everybody was a shortstop, right? Shortstop or maybe center fielder. Yeah. Right? Because the best athletes on the, field, best athlete, on the team mm-hmm. are shortstop or center field.
2: Yeah, really the only positions that typically stay the same are first basemen and catchers.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. you get drafted by the White Sox, and you played five years there. You obviously won a World Series. But I think there's a little parallel with that White Sox team and then the building of the Phillies team. Talk about like I know that team had a great offense, including yourself, the White Sox. But you really didn't have enough pitching, and then you guys got the pitching. Talk about that team and the parallels
2: to the Phillies. Well, it's the same thing. Um, you know, you know, we were always at the top of the food chain when it came to you know offensive rankings and stuff with Chicago, and we just didn't quite have the starting staff, and we weren't all that deep in the bullpen to be able to. You know, we always it always seemed like we came in second place um, to either the Indians or the Twins. And then in 05, well, actually it started in 04 when we got Jose Contreras. And then we got Freddy Garcia. And when we started oh, the 05 season with a very solid staff, you walked out there every day going, you know, we only got to score more than the other teams. Because we know our pitching staff's not going to give up a ton of runs. You know those guys don't have too many real bad days. Yeah,
1: and you also had Burl, so, Burley, Garland, and El Duque,
2: right? Yeah, Burley, Garland, El Duque, Freddie Garcia, and Jose Contreras. That's
1: a that's a good lineup right there. True.
2: Sure. Yeah. In fact, in the uh, ALCS, they threw. We played five games. It's the only game we lost in the in the playoffs. We lost Game One of the ALCS and combined our bullpen through one-third of an inning through five through five games. Mm.
1: Wow.
2: All right, so you... Yeah, went... L- go ahead. And then, I uh, think through eight and, and two-thirds in the first game and lost by one, and then they threw four straight complete game.
0: Oh. How, how was it playing for... Um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Aaron.
2: Well, no, no, go ahead. Uh, then I well, just going ahead and said about what John was asking was, you know, what are the parallels to the Phillies when I went to the Phillies. Yeah. Well, when I went to the Phillies, our lineup was pretty good, mm. but again, we didn't quite have the pitching. And you know, we made it to the playoffs in 07 and ran up against the buzzsaw with the, with the Rockies, but, you know, we, did, we just weren't deep enough on the mound, Then in 08, the next year, after I was gone, you know, you got Roy Oswald and Halladay and those guys, and you uh, you know, Philly went from having a mediocre pitching staff to probably the best in baseball, and you see what happens.
0: Yeah, when, you know, as, as you mentioned, I mean, you, you hit Philadelphia at the right time. I mean, we just opened up the new ballpark. The young nucleus had just, uh, you know, was just coming together. But you did get traded for, you know, an, uh, an all-star, or an all-star, a uh, Hall of Famer and Jim Tomey. Uh, he called you, didn't he, uh, to kind of give you the, the scoop on what Philadelphia was all about?
2: oh yeah he call he gave me a call um, out of the blue he got my phone number and hmm. you know he wanted to give me information about Charlie and you know how close he was with Charlie too and I was, I ended up being very close with him as well so um, but just information about the team the organization the city the fans and especially the reporters and um and then in return, you know, I told them all about Chicago and the coaches and what to expect and about you know their reporters and you know you always gotta you gotta be on the lookout for those guys that are that aren't so you know on point you know you, most of them are good but there's a few that you've, you got to be careful what you say around and so Jimmy Jimmy told me about some of the guys in Philly and I told him about the guys in Chicago.
1: Hmm. Talk about the – because you joined that clubhouse. It's got Jimmy and Ryan and Chase. Talk about the clubhouse when, when you first get to Philadelphia.
2: Oh, everybody was very welcoming. Pat Burrow was really the only one I really knew because we played travel ball and traveled together during – after our senior year of high school and then stayed friends through played against each other in college. And we actually went on a recruiting trip together at Cal State Fullerton. So <laughs> – I met him my senior year of high school and uh, we have been friends ever since, but he was the only one that I really knew personally when I got there. I played against Chase in college, he was a freshman at UCLA when I was at Fullerton and I was a junior, but uh, never really knew him on a personal, like a personal level. Um, But I mean they welcomed me in with open arms and I mean that whole group every spring training Uh, once a week we'd go we'd have bowling night and all the guys would show up to go bowling and that kind of team camaraderie that, that builds that team chemistry and it starts in spring training and you know even by the end of spring training man that that entire group was really really tight
0: yeah, and you mentioned Charlie, too. I mean, uh, you know, uh, and I guess you, it was, you played for uh, Ozzie Guillen, so a little different style. Uh, you know, what, what did you think of Charlie when you were uh, – I, I know you said you were close to him, but h- how did you like that style, the way he handled that clubhouse?
2: Uh, he, was the, he was the best. You know, like you said, Ozzie, Ozzie and Charlie are two of the best managers I ever had the opportunity to play for, and they just had completely different styles. Um, but Charlie, I look at him kind of as a father figure, and he and I are that close. And so um, the freedom that he gave you as a player, uh, but under a certain set of rules, you know, uh, but he gave you your space. And the, the thing that made him, the mo- to me, one of the most amazing managers probably ever is how he could instill confidence in his player. Hmm. And it didn't matter what was going on. You could be over for your last 15, and you step out on deck, and he look at you and be like, let's go, you're hot. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like, you always felt, yeah. yeah, he'd be like, let's go, make it be down. Like, like, he was just, he was constantly positive with you, and when you have your manager and you know your you know your manager has your back. You feel like he's standing in the batter's box with you. I mean, there, it could be you don't feel all that great, but he puts you in a in a in a better frame of mind to be able to go up and have success. And and those those slumps or those opers, it didn't happen all that long because you knew you had nothing to worry about. The guy right there sitting in the dugout has your back.
1: Yeah. Hey, Aaron. What I love uh, about uh, watching you play, and I think all Philadelphia can agree that. You really played baseball with a football mentality. Uh, and one, the one thing, that one play that I, you knew I was going to bring this up, that everybody remembers in Philadelphia, which basically immortalized you in the city, May 11, 2006. Talk about the situation and talk about the catch you made, unbelievable catch you made uh, against the wall with repercussions.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had some repercussions on that one. Um, and a concussion. Well, it, actually started, <laughs> and it actually started that day during batting practice you know Gavin Floyd was our starter that night and he was a rookie and as a rookie he didn't feel like it was right for him to stay in the clubhouse during batting practice so he would go out and stand out in the outfield during BP you know he just wanted to be out there and so he was actually out there standing next to me in center field after I got done doing my fly ball stuff and I had watched him up to that point in the season he was dominant like his entire outing except for one inning. It seemed like there was always one inning where he'd walk a few guys or, and then give up a blooper, and he'd give up three or four runs in, in, in one inning. And it was like, and in those innings, playing in center field, I'm staring at him from, you know, I got him in the hitter right in my frame of vision. And it was in those moments that he had those bad innings that you could tell he was starting to think a little bit too much. And his mechanics kind of got a little bit robotic and away from him. But like the rest of, like the, rest of the game, he'd be smooth and just be firing strikes and, and doing well. And so he was out there standing next to me in, in BP. So I brought it up to him and I said, you know, it's just the, the, that one inning every game, Gavin. And he's, and he's like, yeah, I know. I get mental every now and then. And he's like, you know, I know that's something I, I have to identify and, and figure out how to fix. And so the game starts, we get done BP, and the game starts in the first inning and he strikes out the first hitter, and he punches out the second hitter, he goes 3-2 to the third hitter to, I think it was Beltron, and then he ends up walking him, and then after that he went right back into the mechanic mode and he was all over the place. He ended up walking the next two guys, and so there were bases loaded now in two outs and Xavier Nadine was hidden in a 3-2 count, and he hit it and... As soon as he hit it, I put my head down and I started running. And I remember thinking to myself as I put my head down running, I said, "If I catch this ball, we're going to win the game because he's he's going to get out of this inning. It's not going to be a big inning, and settle back down. And then we're going to win the game. And so I went, caught the ball, went to the hospital, and then um, and then I was watching the game in the emergency room. And then we we won a shortened game in six innings, two nothing.
1: Well, and I tell you what, I took you around, if you remember this, probably about a week later, I took you around to radio stations, you had the black eyes, you had the, the bandages of your nose, and I tell you what, I don't know if you, I'm sure you remember this, we went, wherever we went, people were literally worship, you were like the Pope, I mean, people were going nuts uh, seeing you, I mean, you cemented your legacy, and I think you already were very, again, popular player because of your style, but I think you cemented your legacy on that on that catch.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know, it, you've always been a fan favorite, Aaron. And you know, I know there's a big banner of your catch uh, when you're going back on that ball at the, still hanging at Citizen Bank Park. So it must be pretty cool. I mean, do you do you hear about it a lot when you're? I know you don't come to, back to Philadelphia too often, but when you do, I mean, it must come up all the time, huh?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know what? I'm just I'm appreciative of. I mean, I, I mean, God knows I don't want to break my face and my nose, but. I'm appreciative of all the Philly fans because they appreciate the way I played the game, and I've always played the game that way, you know, since I was a kid. I don't know. I just have an aggressive kind of personality, I guess you could say. But I I was lucky enough to play, you know, South Side of Chicago, Philadelphia. Like we're looking at blue collar fans that really care about. They care about winning. I'm not saying they don't but they care about their guys that play the game that the way that they would if they were playing the game, you know, they're hardworking, bust your butt, you know, do your, do your thing. And, um, I don't know, man, I, every, every, every time I'm in Philadelphia and it's not even when I'm there, like when I'm other places, you know, you get somebody that grew up in Philly or whatever. And I mean, the, it's just the nice things that people have to say. It's, I appreciate it and, I, and it, I look back on my time in Philly as some of the most special times of my entire career. All
1: right, let's go back to another very special day. 2007, the last game of the season, we are tied with the Mets. It's like one of the first times that the Mets and the Phillies are, are both good in the same season. Um, and their game started, if you remember, started about, I don't know, a half an hour ahead of our game. And all of a sudden you can see on the scoreboard that they're down like four nothing. Seven wasn't it? it seven was seven nothing, nothing after the
0: first yes. against the Marlins. And yeah, we got
1: Jamie Moyer on the mound. Talk about uh, playing that game and talking about celebration because I know you did something special with Harry DeKay.
2: Yeah, I mean that. I was glad they actually started before us, but you know the scoreboard out on the right field wall. I mean everybody had their eye on that the entire game and. You know, they were about a half an inning in front of us. So we get towards the end of the game, and and we're up. I remember running out to center field to warm up that inning and playing catch with, with Pat. And, uh, you know, we have our eyes on the scoreboard between everything. And they were in the bottom of the ninth inning, and they were a little bit ahead of us. So we were in the top of the ninth, and we needed to get three outs to win and you know between every pitch you're glancing over there to see if, if the if the numbers change and then all of a sudden when it went from nine to final we knew that it, we knew we needed to get two outs and it was and it was going to be done deal and uh you know we end up getting the third out we end up winning the division and one of the most memorable moments of my entire career because Harry Cowles used to sit in the back of the plane with us on our on our flights he didn't like to be up with all the front office people and everything else. He sat in the back right-hand seat of the plane every every trip. And he would just sit and listen and chat with us and everything else. So we all became really close with H uh, over the years. And one of the, I, I'll never forget going up to him after we won, and they broke out all the champagne and the beer and everything else. And we were on the field, and I still have a picture of it with me and my arm around him with a bottle of champagne being dumped over his nice. <laughs> head. And, and he just gave me, like, the biggest hug, and he said, I appreciate you so much, and I told him the same. And, and it's, it's one of those moments in my career that, that stand out that I will never forget. With such an icon and such a wonderful man like H was, um... It gives me goosebumps right now even thinking about it.
0: Well, you know, uh, Aaron, it, you know, I know you weren't around 2008. Of course, that was a great celebration. But that when we broke. It- back into the playoffs in 2007 after, you know, it had been 1993, it was kind of like a, a cork just, you know, exploded and, and uh, you know, it, it was a great celebration uh, all around. But even, you know, before that game, were, were you guys, when you were in the clubhouse before that game, was there uh, I mean, it was all game on, obviously. I mean, you guys always had the game face on. But did you talk a little bit about, hey, let's just take care of business and, uh, you know, uh, things will take care of itself?
2: No, we thought we were going to go out and beat the shit out of them. Nice,
0: nice.
2: I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you, and this, I'll say this. I hope Major League Baseball hears it, too. Um, so, Francis started the first game, and De La Rosa started game two. During the course of that season, I think we faced each one of those guys twice. One, one at our place, one at theirs. I don't think either one of them got out of the fourth inning in either game. Hmm. <laughs> And I mean, so there was a confidence level there about what we were going to do to these guys. And, you know, we just were hoping that we were going to get the pitching, which we ended up getting the pitching. I think part of it had to do with what I was going to say. So in the playoffs, depending on what your fan base is or how popular of a team is, Major League Baseball schedules games depending on prime time and how they think they're going to get their biggest ratings. And so, you know, the Yankees and the in the Red Sox are always going to get the prime time game, the night game at seven. Well, the rest of everybody kind of gets host. So we had like I don't remember what th- game time was three o'clock or something. And so you have shadows, and it's tough to see as a hitter. It's tough to see. And so you know, both games one and two, I think we only lost by one or two runs. Neither team could hit and you know it, it was a tough game one and two so we went into game three in Colorado and we got like a rookie Ubaldo Jimenez going hundred miles an hour doesn't know where he's going And so I mean we ran into a buzzsaw on game three through a gem but we just we didn't we didn't do what we needed to do at home with the uh, with the home field advantage and I, I wish Major League Baseball would change that up, yeah. even if they needed to lengthen the playoffs out a little bit, so that you don't play 162 games to go play the playoffs with shadows. And, yeah. and you work too hard for that. Like, you want to be able to play in an environment that you've done all the way through the season. And, but every year, man, one team gets hosed, or two teams, I should say, because they're playing. Two teams get hosed every, every day because they got to get both games on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hey, also, Aaron, I want to take you back to, I think it was 2006, that I was with you, and this is one of the, uh, it was a very cool moment that, if you remember, I think it was Chase Utley's sister in law, if I had this right, worked for Senator Spectre, you know, out of Pennsylvania. And Senator Spectre, we were playing the Nationals, I was on the road trip, and uh, he was going to give us a tour. So I think we had, we had about, what, 10 guys, 12, 10, 15 guys. We had Pat Gillick, Ruben Amaro, uh, we had, I think Charlie went, um, we had you, yeah, and we, had, was there. we had a bunch of guys, um, and it was cool. We got, a, we got a tour of the Capitol building, and then I remember we went down, there's a tram that goes from the Capitol building to the Senate building. And we, took, we were waiting for the tram, and all of a sudden getting off the tram was an unknown senator uh that knew you you were the famous person in the group uh barack obama who was a hmm. senator that nobody knew you know i think he was a first year senator but obviously he knew you because he was a big white Sox fan and i'll never forget this he yells out well i didn't know it at the time but he yells out aaron rowan and you respond and then you end up introducing the future president to <laughs> the rest of the How t- about that? organization right there
2: huh. yeah we well we were at the senate building first and we if you remember we were going down they have a tram that goes just from the Senate building to the Capitol building back and forth. And uh, we were all walking down to the tram to go to the Capitol building because we were going to have lunch with Senator Spector. And um, when the thing opened, we were walking to it when the doors opened, and he walked out. And right away I recognized him because he had, in Chicago, he had come in the clubhouse a few times. And, you know, because he's a White Sox fan and, whatever, so I had met him a couple times, and um, so we walked past each other, I didn't say anything, but we kinda made eye contact, and then about 10 feet, you know, about three or four steps later, he turned around and he yelled my name. I turned around and I went over to him, I said, I wasn't gonna bother you, I didn't wanna bug you, you know? And uh, so I got to introduce everybody to him, and that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and actually, that trip, uh, my favorite, you know it was one of my favorite guys in the team back then? Uh, that you know, he didn't have a long stint in Philadelphia, but uh, he, he was the best. Rick White, uh, obviously, you remember Rick White, the reliever who had the oh the, yeah the fans, if you remember, he had he did uh, bald head, he had a crazy beard, he had kind of like crazy like crazy eyes, right? Uh, but he was the nicest guy in the world. And I don't know if you remember this, but we were at the Senate dining room, and again, a big table, and it's it's the most exclusive restaurant in the country. Right, you have to be a center or a guest to be in this. Strip. And they let Rick White in? Well, yes, let me in there. Right? <laughs> yeah, right.
0: So
2: I have to be sitting next hey, to Rick. Keep in my, hey, but but keep in mind, Rick White, like this guy brings in targets into the batting cage so he can practice his bow shooting for <laughs> hunting, hunting people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So this guy's sitting next to me, right? So and Arnold, Senator is on the other side of the table. It's a big table. So he's talking about this, and I'm looking at the menu. And I said, just kidding around to Rick, I said, hey, Rick, ask Senator Spector, how come there's no Scrapple on the menu, thinking he's not going to ask that question. Sure enough, he's, he, he yells out across the table, Senator Spector, you know, how come there's no Scrapple on the menu? And Senator Spector's like, well, Rick, uh, we'll make sure next time you guys come here, we'll, we'll have cheesesteaks and Scrapple on the menu. <laughs> and, and then like, yeah. Then 10 minutes later, I, uh, he used to always call into WIP on Monday talking about the Eagles you know, after an Eagles game, and I said, hey, Senator Specter, or I said, Rick, asking about whether he's going to talk baseball instead of football when he calls into WIP on Monday. And I knew he was going to do it this time, so he yells across. And next thing you know, he's like, Rick, I'm very impressed that you know I call into WIP every Monday. He's like, well, I didn't know that until this guy just told me. <laughs> <laughs> it was completely honest. <laughs> and then, sorry, I got one more because it, I love Rick White. Do you remember that end of that year – um, we had a rain delay at RFK. We're playing the Nationals. And RFK was built not for a baseball clubhouse. It was very compact. and kind of like a maze. So there wasn't a lot of... The, the common room wasn't very big. And we were on a rain delay. There, I think Houston was playing, and it was a big game that, that affected uh, what we were... You know, our standings. So we're watching the game, and some, people, some random people started coming in. Well, George Will comes in with his son, and his son had a Nationals gear on and a foam finger and uh and rick white said hey john who's who's that guy over there and i said uh that's george will he said who's george will i said george will is a political pundit he's one he's very conservative and he's uh one of the smartest guys you'll meet he actually wrote a book called men at work it's a it's probably the most intellectual book based on uh, on baseball and he, I said, he said so he's pretty smart i said yeah yeah he's very smart he said then i should ask him a question i said you should totally ask him a question he said what question should i ask him and I said, well, at that point, that song, Who Let the Dogs Out, was really big. And I said, why don't you ask him who let the dogs out? <laughs> so without him batting an eye, Rick goes up over there, says, George? He goes, yes. He goes, Rick White. Hi, Rick. And he starts poking him in the chest going, who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? Who, who, who? <laughs> uh,
2: uh, I love that guy. He, hey, he's a very special individual. Ah, <laughs> that's
0: a is. polite way to say it, Aaron.
2: Yeah, we got to get hey, him on the podcast. He is. <laughs> He is so great. I love Rick Wyatt. I still keep in touch with him to this day. He's like he's like I only played with him for one year, man, and I'll tell you what, he had an effect on on like he was the funniest guy of all time
0: classic. And you know, you, you were talking about you played in Chicago, you played in Philadelphia, you also played in San Francisco. That is the trifecta for like the three greatest cities in America. And just like our friend Gary, the Sarge, uh Matthews, Ga- uh, Sarge played yeah, in those three did. cities. How do you say that? So Aaron, I mean, did, did you have a not a I'm not going to say a favorite city, but you know, did, when you look back at your career, it's like, man, I played in three really great cities. A lot of great food, a lot of places go out after the game. Uh, I mean, there're three you know, great places to play, right? Absolutely. The, and
2: Sarge, Sarge and I, <laughs> it's funny you bring him up because Sarge and I were very, very tight. Um, and, you know, because he was doing TV stuff for us uh, when I was there. And um, I played with with his son, with Junior. I played with Junior in in Puerto oh. Rico during Winter Ball. Oh, how about and that? And so... I was very close with Junior already and then you know I get to Philly and Sarge is there and Sarge is a great hitting guy like he he understands hitting he understands the dynamic of setting hitters up what are pitchers trying to do to get you out he understands mechanics he understands all those things and uh, very early my first year there he and I sat down and we were talking hitting and this and that and the other and we came to a we came to an agreement that during the games, on the especially on the road, um, he would he would watch my at bats. And so, I don't mean just watch the at bats, but like as a from a hitting from a hitting coach standpoint, he would watch my at bats. And then every night after the game on the road, we would take the bus home. I'd go up, drop my stuff off. He'd drop, drop his stuff on, and I'd go down to the hotel bar, and I'd order a beer, and I'd order a beer for him, and then he'd come back down and sit next to me, and we'd spend about 20 minutes going over my bus.
0: Awesome. That
2: is great. And so it was like, well, what did you think about when he threw that breaking ball 2-1 for a ball or, or a strike or whatever? And we were talking pitch sequences, and if, if he saw my mechanics were off a little bit, or like there were nights that it was really good and it was like dude stay right there. And it was it was just really cool to have somebody like him um kind of be a second hitting coach where we would just cover all the at-bats that I took in that game. And then uh, there were there was quite a few times where he identified something I didn't even realize I was doing and then I go back the next day and I go two for 3 with two bombs and it's like mm. Thanks, Sarge. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, you know, it's funny when you're saying uh, Sarge is a coach, too, because, you know, he was such a yeah, kind of a free, very aggressive hitter, uh, aggressive swinger, you know, Um but, uh, you know, watching him play was just so much fun. Uh, similar to you, Aaron, I mean, uh, he was kind of all out in the outfield and just fun to watch, you know, running the bases. He was, uh, yeah, he still is one of our favorites and a great guy and knows his wine, too. When he, you know, out in San Francisco, oh, yeah, he, he's the best. he had contacts in yeah, uh, every every city you golf know.
2: courses,
0: steakhouses, sawyers,
2: yeah. yes. Hey, yeah. I, hey, I was only, when you say base running, yeah, I was aggressive taking extra bases, but I got the kibosh put on me by Charlie about base stealing at the <laughs> Is that he right? Said, why are we going to steal bases in this fall We hit bombs.
1: <laughs> hey, hey uh, Aaron, another person you, I forgot, so we, we mentioned Ozzie Gann and Charlie, but you also played for Bruce Bochy, right?
2: Oh yeah, is great too, man.
1: Well, and also, Bochi, when, when I think of Bochi, <laughs> I can't help but think of the Fnatic. Oh, yeah. I, I remember whenever the Giants would play or when he was managing the Padres, the t- somebody on that team would inevitably have uh, the Fanatic, when he's in front of the dugout for the game, uh, imitate Bruce Bochy's big head.
2: <laughs> Were you it one was of those guys? Funny, the, first time, the first time I saw it, I, I don't think I ever laughed so hard. <laughs> uh, I actually, it's funny you say that, because I took, so when I went to San Francisco... You know like the Home Depot orange paint, like the buckets, the orange buckets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the I don't know, five gallon bucket or whatever it is. Um, so he had one of those in his office. So I went to the clubby and I, I got three hats. And I took the hats and surgically cut them up and then stitched them back together so that I could fit it all the way over the top of the of the top of the five-gallon bucket, right. and I set it on his desk.
0: <laughs>
2: and when he came in, he did, he walked straight into the locker room. He goes, God dang it, Ro. <laughs> and I was like, how'd you know it was me?
1: <laughs> exactly. how do he know? Because you're the only one, like... <laughs> with a guilty look on your face.
2: You
0: mean the fanatic wasn't the yeah, only uh, one?
2: No, he didn't even see me. He, yeah. he didn't. He didn't even know where I was in the locker room. He just came out. He's like, "God dang it, Ro And he's like looking around for me. And then it, he finally like caught sight of me. He's like, and I go, "How did you know notice me?" <laughs>
0: uh, well, yeah, I know in the, mas- in the mascot world, uh, the, the Pittsburgh Parrot uh, made it known that you body slammed him once. Is that true?
2: Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to hurt him. No, we no. actually, we 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 actually we were sitting. We were on the right on the visiting side on the right field line. You know where you run your sprint before the game and stretch and play a little catch or whatever before the game to get ready. Right before the game, and um, so we always had kind of a routine. You know, we play catch, stretch, and do whatever real quick. Go sign some autographs, and then get ready for the national anthem and play the game. Anyway, the, the parrot comes over to me and I'm I'm on the ground stretching when we on the right field line and you know, you, you know, they don't say anything to anybody normally, but he was he was like heckling on me and heckling on me and he goes, "Hey, I'm going to do this and then you and then I want you I want you to pick me up and put me on the ground." Because he thought it would be a funny thing for the fans, and so I'm like, "All right." So like he's he's like swinging at me and like like putting his dukes up type deal or whatever. And so I got up and I I put my hand right underneath between his legs and I grabbed him by his chest <laughs> and I picked him up over my head and then I I jumped on top of him <laughs> and nice. like kind of like a, like a like a like a WWF wrestling move, you know, and. Then, all I could hear was him. I apparently knocked the wind out of him
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: because all I could do was hear him gasping for air. Thomas, and and I'm, I'm like expensive. laying on him, and I'm like trying to be quiet, so like whispering to him, like, "Dude, you all right?" <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and he got up, and I mean, he literally limped off into the dugout and disappeared.
0: Uh, I'm sure he was fine. He got he got the laughs he was looking for, so is there you go. it he best friend was worth he it.
2: Is he? Uh, oh yeah! Oh, all guy? the fans, all the fans <laughs> were laughing.
1: <laughs> could, could he handle it, Tom, the best the best friend of the fanatic? Oh, yeah. Or, he, of the, of he, the parrot?
0: They rushed him to a hospital that night, but uh, other than that, he was fine. Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, no, he was totally good. But he, was he came good. back out for the game, but yeah. he had to go center himself here for a second. <laughs> all right, Aaron, last question
1: before we go to our infamous quiz. Uh, we do have a quiz at the end, but it's all about you, so you should be fine. But the question is, uh, last night uh, in the Phillies game, uh, we were broadcasting this on... Uh, Thursday. Uh, last night, a uh, pitcher came in from the Cardinals. He hit uh, was crazy wild. He hit Bryce Harper in the face, and then he hits D.D. Gregorius in the back. So, obviously, wh- what did you think? Now, today, uh, they waited. To, we are a uh, tie game, two outs in the ninth, yeah. and Hector Neris uh, drilled. Who was, who was up to bat?
0: Uh, Arenado.
1: Was it Arenado? Yeah. yeah. Drills Arenado in the back. What was you did, before that? I'm sure you were probably aware of the story. You know, it was on all the news channels. I'm sure, you got it out in Vegas. Is that? I mean, would, would you expect that to happen? Obviously, Knowles on the is on the mound. It's it, it's not going to happen in a close game, but that situation presented itself. It seemed like perfectly.
2: You know, uh, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of controversy that goes with hitting people on purpose. But if you really want to take it back before. Everybody got super sensitive about it. That was part of the game. And it's like, look, I know that, I know that he didn't mean to hit Bryce in the face. I know he didn't mean to hit Deedee in the back. But when that happens, like if you got a guy on your team that's gonna stand up and and you're gonna, if you're gonna hit a guy on the other team, all right, but you you stay below the, the shoulder line and then you put one in their back, or you drill them in the thigh, or whatever. It's not anything, you're not trying to hurt anybody. Right. You're basically just sending a message saying, you know, if you can't throw a and you're going to hit our guys, well, then we're going to smoke yours. Yeah. And it's not that. It's not that. It, but everybody's gotten so sensitive about it all the time hmm. now that that it, it, it's turned into like this big fashion faux pas where the umpires come out and warn both teams. Right, And it's like you can tell that they didn't – this dude's wild. He didn't mean to hit Bryce in the face. I can tell you from personal experience. I got hit in the face with 95 and busted my – and broke – I'm the only guy in the history of the game to break their, their face twice in the same <laughs> – With <in> <same laughs> <same> a <ball laughs> and a ball, wow. Yeah, yeah and – I ended up getting, in fact, they changed the rule in the game the year after it happened to me because you used to have to go on the, on the DL because I had a concussion, and they had to put me on the 15-day DL. Well, the next year MLB came out and changed the rule to have a seven-day concussion protocol DL now, and it was because of my situation. Hmm. and And so I know what it feels like to get hit in the face, Mine squirted me up a little bit more than what Bryce got, busted my nose, busted my face, concussion. Um, real quick, funny story, every year in spring training, they make you take what's called an impact test. And so it's like a little computer program that you have to go in and then it, it like redoes all of the uh, little shapes and sizes and red and green and all this thing. and You're, you're supposed to try to remember it and put it back you know, answer questions. So before the season that year, I took my impact test. And then if you were to get a concussion, they make you go take it again so that they can try to compare the test results and see how concussed you really are or what, whatever scientifically it's supposed to do. Well, I took my impact test in spring training, scored a certain score, and then I got hit in the face and had a pretty substantial concussion, and I scored better.
0: <laughs> How about that? Science.
2: And so I was like, "See, Gresh, I don't have a concussion." <laughs> Until the next day, I went out and tried to take fly balls or stand out on the warning track, at least. And oh. I was trying. I thought I was going to catch a ball coming right down on me, and it landed 15 rows deep.
0: Oh my goodness!
2: But I was like, I was like, "Yeah, okay, I'm concussed." So, uh <laughs> yeah. But oh. yeah, I mean, with the whole like hitting guys on purpose thing. Mm. um You know, I used to tell the pitchers on every team that I had, depending on if we were going, like, if you hit a guy and the other guy comes back and hits a guy, and then if it's just going to go back and forth, it's one thing to hit a guy in retaliation, but it's another thing to hit a guy because you can't get him out because he's kidding you Mm. or whatever. And I used to tell the pitchers that I played with all the time, Look, if I end up getting hit because you went after a guy for personal reasons, yeah. I'm not going to get mad at the pitcher, but when I get back in the dugout, I'm coming after you. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Can, because
2: that's not, that's you don't talented. do that.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I've, I've seen guys, I players I've played with, that are just getting lit up by somebody and they can't seem to get them out, and they decide to hit them because they can't get them out. Hmm. And. That's when I would go and tell him, say, "Hey, you don't do that. You don't don't hit him because you couldn't get him out." And I said, "If I get smoked because of you, right. I'm coming after you, not him."
0: Hmm. Well, uh, John, you're over there pointing to me. You're ready for the quiz, aren't you? Oh, All right, Aaron. Aaron's ready for the quiz. Well, yes. Uh, fasten your seatbelt. Uh, this is a, a John puts about. Uh, 10 minutes of work in each week on this, and uh, <laughs> this is his uh, his quiz, and you ready, John? Aaron, are you ready?
1: I have. Now, Aaron, I i I'm ready. I'm glad that he spent
2: 10 minutes out of his week to do this. <laughs> exactly. That's yes, yes. all he does. Very important,
1: 10 minutes. I have eight questions. It's multiple choice. Um, the bar we usually set is if you get five out of eight, uh, you will win something. Now, there was a Fanatic giveaway, and I know that you love the Fanatic, so... Uh, Tom Burgoyne, best friend of the Fanatic, will send you a Citizen's Fanatic knit hat. Absolutely. Right? If you get five out of (laughs) ten. I love it. Which I'm sure you will.
0: That's what's on the line here.
1: All right. Are you ready? You got it. All right. Obviously, you mentioned earlier you went to Cal State Fullerton. I'm going to name four people, four celebrities, okay? One did not go to Cal State Fullerton. Three of them did. Which one did not? Okay? Gwen Okay. Gwen Stefani. That's A. B is Nadia Suleiman, who, uh, better known as (laughs) Octomom, right? Wrestler Stone Cold Steve Austin or former Phillies manager Gabe Kapler. So you have Gwen Stefani, Octomom, Stone Cold, or Gabe Kapler. Gabe Kapler. No. Wait, Gabe Kapler went to Cal State Fullerton. No,
2: he didn't. He
0: didn't? Did uh, I get this boy. wrong? No.
2: Where, yeah. Where did he go to college?
0: You always get the quiz wrong, John. <laughs> did
2: I get this wrong? It, I I want to say Gay went to USC. No, that's no, Steve Alaroz. Gabe Kapler didn't go. Gabe Kapler didn't go to Cal State we are, enough. We are going to have our reason.
1: But, I, but I, I
2: I don't think Stone Cold went there either. And if he did, I'd be surprised.
1: Yeah, Stone Cold is the answer. I was assuming that uh, Gwen Stefani, Octomom, and Gabe Kepler all went to Cal State Fullerton. We're going to have our research yes. assistant. I
0: think Cindy Webster is research. our research
1: assistant. To see whether Gabe Oh, Kepler... you're going to have your
2: assistant go research it. Yes, I while, while we're on to question two, we'll do that. Cal State Fullerton. Hold on, time out. I do want you to know, though, also, yeah. that you missed a celebrity, or at least your assistant did. Kevin Costner? Because. Kevin Costner with their too. Yeah, too
1: obvious. I, that's why I, I gotta I gotta throw you off with like Octoman. Right?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, we're gonna give that to you uh, right now. We're giving it to you until our research assistant. Oh, he did. Our, our, our research, research assistant said that Gabe Kaplan went to Cal State Football Fullerton. 1993. 1993. There you have it. Huh. But you know what? We're did gonna Did he give play it- baseball? Yes, he did for one semester For uh, one semester all right you know what he played one well, semester he didn't play he didn't play baseball though then then you are right i'm gonna give it to you that's my bad you were one for one all right we mentioned earlier question number two that you uh have a motorcycle so based on market share in the united states in 2020 which motorcycle brand is number one in market share with i believe a 30 percent market share is it honda Yamaha, Kawasaki, or Harley-Davidson? Yamaha. No, it's actually Harley-Davidson, 30% of the market. Damn it!
2: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Uh, Honda is actually number one in the world, but Harley-Davidson in the United States. Hmm. All right, you're going to go on a good I, I roll figured here. I see the street bike. You're going to go on a good roll here. In 1998, you were the 35th pick of the draft, and you started your professional career with the single A Hickory Crawdads oh. of the Sally League. Right? Is that That's- right? You
0: played in Hickory Aaron? Yeah, Hickory yep, I did. Uh, of the I- South
1: Atlantic League.
0: I would I would uh, bring the fanatic down to Hickory every year. Right? Yeah, early mid nineties, and we'd have a good time in Hickory.
2: All right, well LP France Stadium.
0: Yeah. Right, which yep. of
2: these guys
1: was not a teammate of yours? So three of these guys were was a teammate, one was not. Who is the imposter? Okay. Uh, Jim Abbott. Brian Mahoney, John Garland, or Durante Hollins?
2: Say the last one. I already know the answer, but say the last G- one. Jim
1: Abbott, Brian Mahoney, John Garland, or Durante Hollins? Jim Abbott. <laughs> wait, wait. It was not a teammate of yours. Wasn't Jim Abbott on that team?
2: I never played with Jim Abbott. <laughs> This is is some quiz, John. All right, well, the
1: good news is because of my screw-ups, you're now two for three.
0: Ten minutes of your life wasted on a quiz that is wrong. I
1: need a better research (laughs) assistant. All right. we are blame Cindy. All right. All right, question number four. Uh, As we talked about, Philly's battled back from being seven games back with 17 games left, tied with the Mets going to the final game. Uh, In that win over the Nats in that final game, who had three hits, including a home run? Do I need to give you a was moment of choice? Martinez? Uh was Ryan Howard, Chase Ellie, Jimmy Rollins, or Chooch? Or me? Did you have three three hits including a
2: home run?
0: Not in the in the clinching uh-huh. game in NL, the NL East 2007.
2: Oh, wait a minute. Oh, okay, you, I gotta which game I thought yes. we were playing the Mets. No,
0: no. No, the Mets were playing the Marlins that day.
2: Oh, okay, so
1: go.
0: Yeah, so we played go the Nats. Again.
1: We played the Nats. We won 6-1. <laughs> yeah, okay, the last Nats. game. So somebody on your team had three hits, including a home run. Was it Ryan Howard, Chase Ellie, Jimmy Rollins, or Chooch? I'm going to say Chooch. Do you know who it is? You can get a lifeline. Nah. who, who was it? Well, go ahead, take
0: uh, I'll say Chase.
1: It's Ryan Howard. Howard. All right. Huh. Okay, well, that,
2: yeah, we should have gone there from the start. <laughs>
1: yes. All right, here's an easy one. In 2007, which pitcher led the team in innings pitch with 199.1 innings? Was that Cole Hamels, Adam Eaton, Kyle Kendrick, or Jamie Moyer?
2: Uh, Cole Hamels. <laughs>
1: Jamie Moyer. This is, we're playing the opposite God game. God damn it. All right, we, got, we, got three, we got three other questions. You know what? We'll, we're gonna. Should we? If he gets all three, then. Well, I he's going of had it. anyway. I'm
2: sure if I miss the rest of them, but I love it. All right, here we
1: go. <laughs> what is? All right, you obviously live in Las Vegas. What is the oldest casino on the Vegas Strip? I think it was Bugsy Siegel. Uh, it was his casino. Uh, the Flamingo. The Flamingo is correct. There it's you 46. go. Nineteen forty-six. Nice. All right, this is this is a good one right here. What is your former manager Charlie Manuel's middle name? Do you know it off the top of your head?
2: If no, you, I don't. All
1: right, here it is. Here's your choices: A. Thurston, B. Ryan, C. Fuqua, and D. Andrew. Uh, all
2: right. So Thurston, Ryan, Fuqua. I'm gonna go with with I'm gonna go with that era, and I'm gonna say Thurston.
1: <laughs> I would have said Thurston right. too. Well, first of all. I, 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 I can't believe I'm admitting this on a podcast with many uh, listeners, so I'm setting myself to fail. <laughs> Thurston is my Mon- middle It's yours. Name. Okay. I know uh, I Tom Burgoyne's middle name is Ryan. No,
0: Andrew. Uh, oh, sorry, yours
1: is Andrew. Aaron's is Ryan.
2: And Charlie Manuel's yeah. is Fuqua.
0: Fuqua. All right.
2: I'm no coming. way. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> I'm calling him as soon as we get off the
0: phone. <laughs> exactly. exactly.
2: <laughs>
1: All right. Now, I asked you a class- question last night for this reason because uh, I found out that Major League is your favorite movie, okay? The opponent yeah. the opponent slugger uh, with the Yankees known as Clue Haywood, right? Remember that big slugger for the Yankees in the movie?
2: Hell, yeah. Big home run threat? How's your wife and my daughter? Yeah,
1: he was played by a former pitcher of the Brewers who never hit a home run in his entire 11-year career. Now, he spent eight years in that in the American League, so he never batted. But who is this pitcher? He was a real pitcher, 11 years and uh, they put him as a big home run hitter. So was it A Pete Vukovich? B Randy Lurch, C, Moose Haas, or D, Reggie Cleveland. So Pete Vukovich, Randy Lurch, Moose Haas, or Reggie Cleveland? B. B? Randy, yeah. Randy Lurch? That is yeah. I- that is <laughs> incorrect. That is Pete Vukovic was the answer. Did you know that,
0: Tom? I did not know that, but I'm telling you. I did not know
1: that
2: either.
0: uh, I'm telling you, Aaron's getting a a fanatic knit hat because Because he put up with that quiz. I butchered that quiz. Yeah, he butchered that quiz, Aaron. Hey, it wasn't about
2: butchering the quiz. I got to tell you. I've done your quiz before, and it wasn't that difficult. You got some serious questions right there. <laughs> yeah, but the good news is you found out my middle name is Thurston.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's and, Char- and Charlie's is Fuqua. Fuqua. Yeah.
2: Uh, hey, but I got a funny story about that entire thing, about major leagues. When I was coaching with the, with the Chicago White Sox in the minor league, and I was the, uh, the, the, I was the roving outfield and base running coordinator, and so every spring training, you know, the White Sox share a facility with the Dodgers, and a lot of the coaches that are there stay at the same uh, residence and hotel. And so I used to I used to spend a lot of nights out by the fire pit having a couple beers with uh, Steve Yeager, who oh. who who plays camp the the bench coach for huh. the manager of the Indians, and so. Steve Yeager was actually the baseball, like the. He's like the guy that, that like all these writers make the movie and stuff, and and then some of these guys just don't understand the game of baseball. So he went to baseball guru there. Big <laughs> the guys, like, now that doesn't happen in the game. That doesn't happen. What it should be. And so They would change depending on what he had to say. He was the expert on baseball. He was also. But, uh, the, uh, he told me so many funny stories about the movie Major League and, the, and everything, and I'm, I'm actually
1: shocked.
2: It's really cool being my favorite movie, and the guy that I get to telling me all the behind-the-scenes part of it is cool.
0: Oh, that's a good gig. That's a good gig. Well, all right. Yeah, we're gonna no sign. Aaron, I think we're gonna sign off. Uh, really appreciate you hopping on with us today. Uh, you know, uh, great, great catching up with you.
1: Yeah, come visit us in Philly.
2: I just did, Ray. Right?
1: Well, yes, yeah, so you went. Yeah, now, Aaron was very nice to come in when Charlie was in the hospital, and actually we had lunch uh, downtown Philadelphia. So hopefully it'll be a better excuse uh, to come in. Not, uh, you know, Charlie's obviously healthy now, but it's, yeah. uh, let's get you back. We'd love to hang out.
2: Well, I'll probably see you out there. I'm sure I'll come out for alumni weekend, brother. Sounds good, man.
1: All right.
0: Thanks again, Aaron.
2: All right, guys. Enjoy yourself.
0: All right. Take it easy. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, John. How about that? Aaron Rowan. We love that guy. Man,
1: I know I always say, it's well, we always get, obviously, the reason why we have people on, because we had a good relationship with these guys, mm. but he, is, he was always one of my favorites. He only played for us two years, and... Just was one of these guys you, you get to know right away, and just a guy's guy, and just, uh, uh, just. Love his whole
0: I know. It's kind of a bummer that, you know, he left just before the 2008 right. season, you know, he, and didn't win a ring with us. But uh, and, you know, you just mentioned two years. But in two years, think of the impact he had with the fans. I mean, to become a such a fan favorite in two years is saying something. So uh, awesome. All right. Well, I guess we're going to uh, wrap things up here at P.J. Wheelhands. Uh, we've had a great time. We really want to thank uh, Kaylee, Tim, Melanie here. Uh, we're here in Blue Bell. We're outside on the patio. Great place. Right, John? I know. You you love yeah, this place. We're have to do it again. Uh, we will do it again. And I also want to thank our uh, research and development person, uh, Cindy Webster, yes, who was uh, doing some of our statistical research <laughs> and all helping time. you because yeah, uh, John. I yeah. Next week, you got to. I got to step it up. I think you got to step it up. I think you got to put at least 15 minutes into it this, yeah. this week. All right. I agree. All right. Well, that's it for uh, us for Phillies backstage. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, and we will see you at the ballpark.